Welcome to Southern Fried Fantasy, a podcast for readers and writers, where Southern authors talk about books set in the region they call home. Book lovers beware, your TBR pile is about to get taller than high cotton. Welcome back to another episode of Southern Fried Fantasy. I'm your host, Bob Magoo of Tells by Bob. And this week, I am so excited to have on Travis M. Riddle. Uh, to give a to give a quick story, uh, those of you who listen uh, may know that I do another podcast called Books, Beards, and Booze. And some couple years ago now, I guess, uh, I decided, hey, we should really, you know, we, we read we read a book for the podcast. Like, oh, this was so good. I wonder if I could get the author on to talk, to talk to us. And it was, it was Travis here and he was so kind, gave us, uh, gave me time to do this interview, got it all recorded, sat down to edit it so we could get it uploaded and the audio files were corrupted. And I was, I was so <laughs> embarrassed. It's my first time ever trying to do that. I was so embarrassed. Uh, didn't want to tell. <laughs> and then, uh, so that interview never, never went up. And, and then we never, we literally never tried to do it again because I was so mortified. Uh, but well, the the good news is now for this one, you can just grab all those questions you already had prepared, and this is this well, can be really easy for you. You know, you know. Uh, I wish I could, but I think in my mortification, I just deleted everything related to that. That, that whole folder uh, is lost to the ages now. Uh, so. Uh, but uh, the book that we had read was The Narrows, and we'll we'll dive into that. Uh, but so uh, basically, you know, COVID forced uh, most of us to learn how to interact on Zoom or related things. So I finally got off my uh, technologically inept ass and was like, all right, I'm doing it. So I, I've learned how to do this. I've done enough interviews now that I felt comfortable like, hey, could you give me another shot? Travis was so kind to do so. So, of all course, right. of course. Yeah. So, uh, let's diving right in. How about if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what ties you to the South? Sure. Um, as you mentioned, my name is Travis. Um, I've written um, several fantasy books at this point. Um, a few standalone things like the narrows that we'll talk about and Balam spring spit and song. Um, and then I have a, tr a trilogy called the houndstooth trilogy that starts with a book called flesh eater. Um, and my latest series is like a Pokemon inspired story set on a tropical archipelago. Uh, it's called the Jekyll series. And book one of that is called on lavender tides. Um, and I mean, my, tie to the south i guess is pretty much i mean i've lived here my entire life i was born in texas uh, i've lived in texas my whole life um including now now i'm still in texas um yeah. for the time being anyway i guess right. um depend depending on how things uh go governmentally in the future i suppose maybe i'll yeah be I, going I, elsewhere i feel that i feel that in a very real yeah. sense um so uh, you're in the Austin area, if I remember correctly. 
Um, yes, I uh, I'm from like a suburb outside of Houston, but um, I I moved to Austin for college and I have lived there ever since. Yeah, although Austin, coincidentally, I am back in my hometown this weekend, um, <laughs> oh. house house sitting and cat sitting for my mom who's on vacation. Oh, nice, nice. So uh, for those who may not know much about uh, Texas, I I kind of view. Um, Austin, the same way I view Huntsville, it, uh, you know, it's, it's in a very conservative state, but it is more left-leaning. And because of that, it gives off a very different feel to a lot of, a lot of what you would kind of stereotypically view in the state. Uh, it's also, uh, got like the best live music scene in the country. Um, oh yeah. So, which I'm, I'm a big fan of. (laughs) Yeah. Got a ton Uh, of that. Yeah, I had the uh, pleasure of helping out. There's a band there called uh, Dead Earth Politics that had won some sort of like local city award a couple of years in a row for like metal band. And they happened to tour through Alabama and got to kind of they were they were on the way to tour to uh, to play the barbecue. And uh, <laughs> so we we got to help out with that. And it was just a lot of fun. But they were good. Awesome. A bunch of good dudes. I- I've never heard of the barbecue. I've heard of a lot of different styles of barbecue, but um, uh, well, well, well for those, <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, for those who don't know, uh, there's a there's a, a very pretty extreme out there theatrical metal band called War, <laughs> and they're they're once a year they have the barbecue. <laughs> so I, yeah, I mean, I've heard of the uh, the gathering of the juggalos, but I've not yes. heard of the the barbecue. It, yeah, it's uh, it. I, I feel like it gives, I haven't been to either, um, but I feel like uh, they're, they're at least distant cousins. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and so how about, all right. So I have, I have read three of your books. I, I read the narrows and then loved it so much. I was like, Ooh, at the time you had wondrous out and you had Balm spring. And mm-hmm. so uh, read both of those loved all three. Um, I'm actually Thank super you. excited about the, the, the new one I saw. So I recently, it, I see this progression fantasy and, mm-hmm. um, I typically kind of shy away from that because a lot, not a lot of the, uh, progression fantasy out there is kind of low effort. Um, but I read, uh, um, the cradle series. And uh-huh. fell in love. And I was like, oh, okay. So there is, you know, when it's done right, I actually really love this. And so I know mm-hmm. your, you know, your caliber of writing. So I'm, I'm excited to give this a run because I, I feel like it's progression fantasy, which I like when it's done well. And I feel like you, you, you'll probably have a, a good handle on it. Um, yeah, I hope, hopefully you like it. I, I tried to, I don't know. There obviously that, that, genre has a a big focus on like training montages and like action scenes and stuff and i i mean i have like some training stuff and battles and and stuff obviously since it's like a pokemon thing but um like my other books there is like a big focus in it on like the more like slice of life moments sort of world building things and like the character dynamics and relationships and stuff like that so i think uh, if you like my old stuff um you'll find all those elements in this as well. Yeah. Uh, the, the whole like cozy fantasy slice of life has really been on the rise here lately. And if, if that's something that you like, you should definitely go check out Balam Spring, which is very, 
um I don't like very kind of almost heartwarming. I, I don't know. I just, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah so, everyone has always described Balam as like cozy and slice of life and stuff, even though that wasn't like my intention going into it, but it just kind of stumbled into that. And now it's like people are eating that up now. And I'm like, are. man, I'm, I was, I was a couple of years too early. You <laughs> to were. Yes. No. Yeah. No. Like if, if that book had come out right now, uh, I feel like it, like, I don't, and if you think about it, like, is everything going on in the world right now? Uh, I think, as, as, I think cozy fantasy is rising in direct proportion to the backlash from uh, COVID and politics and yeah. all that. Um, people are just, although yeah, they're just maybe, so maybe mine that I know. So, yeah. Same. I mean, although maybe my, cozy fantasy book that is also about like a fatal disease maybe <laughs> well, <laughs> we're not yeah. we not totally fit the bill but who knows? i don't know it, it it i i would argue that you know it it maybe not everyone but i think it would scratch it for for most people um but all right so uh kind of diving in a little more specifically uh the narrows is uh on on paper it's a horror novel and yes you can't get away from from the horror element so if someone really doesn't like horror it's you know this book may not be for them but i came away when i from it reading like what really hit me and i'm a guy who loves horror to be fair was Mm -hmm. uh just the emotion like the emotional impact of this book is what like i i read really fast and i have a terrible memory for books and so the fact <laughs> that I read this book years ago and can still remember most of the details of it, uh, it, yeah, it that it is shows very it impressive kind of, to me. Right. It, it kind of lingered it uh, on the other podcast. I do Derek would quickly jump in here and be like, yes, that's, well, that's because you read so fast. If you'd read slower, you remember more. Da, 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 da. But no, I don't know. So- <laughs> I read pretty slow and I don't remember a lot of things still. So, yeah, I don't know. It, I, I'm notorious for forgetting like, books I just read for getting key plot points. So, but it makes it really, <laughs> it's a good trait to have if you like to reread books though. So, there you uh, go. <laughs> um, but, uh, it, so I got, you know, the other two members of the podcast to read it and neither one of them read horror and they both really enjoyed this. And I think it's because for us being, we're all, all three of us on that podcast are from Alabama and uh, while the Narrows is set in Texas, it still has a through line of like southernness to it that we could relate to uh, the mm-hmm. references to Waffle House and, and whatnot <laughs> that kind of that, that resonated with us. And then just the uh, I, I think it kind of hit all three of us at like a time in our life where it's, you know, that kind of you can't really go home again kind of element. Right. Uh, yeah. And. So uh, it, 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 I I find like I I wonder. There's been a couple books uh, like this one, and uh, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of it now. Oh, Cunning Folk. That like that. If I hadn't read them in my 30s, I don't know that they would have hit the same way. Uh, right. And so I don't know. I, I just I gush over this book so much. I recommend it all the time. So I'm just kind of fanboying at the moment. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, but take a moment, uh, if you would, and kind of uh, 
give us kind of the rundown of really all your books, just maybe a little more in depth. So for, you know, readers that are out there that might want to dive in on some of this stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, my very first book uh, was called Wondrous. Um, it's about a very young, like elementary school aged boy who wakes up suddenly in a fantasy world that's in the middle of a civil war. Um, and it's about him trying to figure out what the hell is going on and get back um, home. And it's kind of like interspersed with glimpses of his his home life um, between all the fantastical stuff. Um, and then Balam Spring, like we've said, is is like a sort of slice of life, sort of like murder mystery-esque thing about a fatal disease that is kind of like running through this small fantasy village. Um, the entire book takes place just in that town as uh, these three characters from very different walks of life are all trying to figure out what the disease is, what is causing it, and how to cure it. Um, the Narrows, I guess, um, just a quick rundown of it, I because since we're going to get into it a lot deeper, um, it's about a guy who goes back to his hometown over like the holidays, the Christmas holidays, and finds out that his childhood best friend, who he's kind of drifted apart from over the past couple of years, um, has died, presumably by suicide, but he is not really sure that is what happened, and he starts to see some otherworldly things that, that put that into doubt for him. Um, God, this, there's so many books. Um, yeah. Spit and Song is another standalone book that takes place in the same world as Balam Spring, but it's like three decades later and it's a completely different story and different characters and everything. Um, and it's about a traveling merchant and a like drug addicted, like theater troupe player who uh, team up to, tr to track down this mysterious uh, item that they can then sell on the black market to make enough money to, uh, leave their their home country and and go make a name for themselves elsewhere um and then the houndstooth trilogy uh that starts with flesh eater and then there's mother pig and then dirt king um is a cast of anthropomorphic like forest animals and it's about this one's hard i don't know this one's hard to talk about without like spoiling it too much um it's kind of about this fox who can like see the ghosts of people if he eats their flesh um yeah. ends up with this other group of of people who can use magic in a world where magic is not really a thing um he ends up traveling with them and there's there's this great force um coming down on their valley that threatens to to kill everything and they have to collect these this set of items to stop it which i understand on the surface sounds like a very generic <laughs> um sort of tropey story but that is you don't you um, don't want to give by, too much away yeah that is kind of by design and i will just say that it is not um as tropey as maybe you would think it is going in <laughs> um yeah and then on lavender tides we already talked about a little bit it's like right. a a pokemon story um about a guy and his best friend traveling across a set of islands that are like kind of 
inspired by the Hawaiian islands, um, uh, basically like capturing and battling these monsters. Um, although in a more humane way, it's not like a dog fighting, uh, type of thing. Um, yeah. And that's, that's, yeah. The first book in that series is pretty low stakes, very slice of life ish, but the, the scope of it and the stakes of it are going to grow as the series progresses. So uh, normally I save kind of the more, the the first parts of the podcast for the readers, the back half is more for the writers. But since, since we just got this rundown, I kind of want to touch on this. So Mm -hmm. you've written all these books under the same name and they they really, um, it's a, it's a real variety of books uh, right. You know, the Narrows is very different from Balam Spring, which is very different from Wondrous, which, you know, uh, there's definitely uh-huh. a, a fantasy through thread of that. But I know these days uh, you just see the advice over and over and over. It's like, oh, well, you know, if you're writing a different different genre, you really should do a pen name and yada, yeah. yada, yada. And so I, I kind of want to touch on that. Why did you and I'm the same way is i feel like you like right now i really just have urban fantasy out but um i'm going to have books coming out in other related genres but different genres it's all going to it's all going under my name uh-huh. um w- what kind of prompted you to make that decision to not go the different series or different genres get different pen names kind of route um i guess part of it is a combination of like laziness and vanity um i don't really want to deal with having language i don't really want to have to deal with like setting up like different like pseudonyms and like amazon accounts or whatever the hell i would need to do to to get that all squared away and then i i like i mean i like having my name on the book and i like having like this big list of books to my name in my bibliography and um beyond that i mean if I like truly, truly did something different, like if I wrote like a romance or something for some reason, um, maybe then I would like put a different name on it. But as it is, like they are all, like you said, they are all like fantasy of some sort of subgenre. And yeah. I also feel like um, as much as I do change things up with each book or series or whatever, I do end up always having like the same kind of set of elements. Like I do try to go for like some really deep character development. I do have a lot of like the slower slice of life moments um, in them, no matter what book it is for whatever reason, I always end up like describing food a lot um, without really meaning to, it kind of just happens. Um, So I I do feel like yeah, yeah, I was gonna oh, say go I know in the narrows you talked about uh kolaches, and that was something that I was yeah. <laughs> totally unfamiliar with. But now you can get those in Alabama. Um, there are places oh, yeah. that, that have them. And you know, Buc- <laughs> Bucky's is steadily moving uh moving east. We now have a couple of Bucky's mm-hmm. in Alabama, which for those who don't know, that's like this massive uh Texas gas station chain right. yep. that it's base it's it's un it's unreal um but they are enormous they are they are unfathomably large gas stations um (laughs) but they do brisket they do pretty good brisket sandwiches which i love to get and they have they have kolaches so um yeah 
and like I just know from the narrows, you know, really worked in. <laughs> I think the last time I interviewed <laughs> you, we talked about uh, how we eat. Uh, what's what's the go to uh, hash brown uh, order at Waffle House? Uh-huh. Like for me, it's it's you got to go the uh, triple order, <laughs> scattered, well, triple covered, because I'm a I'm a I'm a hefty boy. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> but yeah, and so yeah, I can definitely see where food. Uh, I, I, yes, food is definitely a factor. Yeah, for my for my first like maybe three or four books, um, every like almost every review that I read of them talked about like how great the food descriptions were and like how much food descriptions there were in them. And I genuinely was like reading those reviews and I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I don't remember (laughs) writing about food this much. And so, but so now it's just something I've been like aware of that people take note of in my books and always seem to really like. And so now I kind of do like intentionally put stuff like that in there. Nice. Um, And so my point, my point on that was just that like, I do feel like there are elements that are in like every single one of my books. And so like, I feel like there is kind of like, a Travis M. Riddle like brand for my, yeah. like my style that that fits with all of them, even if they are different subgenres within fantasy. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that from the the three that I've read. Um, that there's more of an emphasis on characters than plot. Like so much of fantasy, the world building it it it's so often so plot heavy. Uh, but you're right. at the expense of character, you know, and I feel like your books tend to be very character driven and so and very rich emotionally. So, yeah, I try to keep the I try to keep the actual like plot stakes fairly low so that the characters and like their emotional stakes in it are at the forefront rather than I don't I don't know if I'm ever going to really like write a like world ending threat type of book i guess never say never but i'm much more interested in like smaller more personal stories than that yeah no i I feel you by my redneck wizard series uh he's he's (laughs) the level of ineptness that you you don't call him in to save the world you call him (laughs) in to figure out why is that weird thing happening over there so yeah i I love i love an inept character my (laughs) the, the main character of the houndstooth trilogy i originally I was originally thinking of him as like a cloud strife from Final Fantasy type of character, like very stoic and and like skilled and stuff like that. And I wrote like the first two or three chapters with him like that. And then after that, I started to think like it would be a lot more fun if he like screwed up so much more than he is right now. And I went back and rewrote the beginning of the book and just made him a complete like – idiot he just seemed, <laughs> he messes up pretty much at every turn yeah and it made it a lot more fun i think i love that so um were with the narrows were there any elements of southern culture that you kind of felt like it was important to kind of showcase um and if so kind of how did you go about doing that um i guess i thought of it less as like specifically wanting to showcase like southern culture and more that it was just like it's it's such like a more so all of my books have like their core themes are very much like personal to me but more so than all of them the narrows is like an extremely personal story um as far as what the character the main character is going through and so 
I, I basically just set the book um, in my hometown. Like the whole, like I changed the name of everything, but it is just literally like the layout and geography of, of my hometown with absolutely nothing changed whatsoever. Um, and so I don't know. I, th- I guess it was just like a natural extension of that, of yeah. it's, it's such like an, an extension of, of my life and how I grew up and what I was going through at the time of writing it that obviously like pieces of Southern culture seeped into it about like the suburban sprawl and the kolaches and the yeah. frequent trips, trips to waffle house and, and stuff like that. Yeah. I, uh, it, it both resonated with, with like my Alabama experience. Cause like I, you know, I'm from the middle of nowhere and, um, I can remember <laughs> we had just been hit by a hurricane, uh, like literally like the hurricane like struck, uh, and we were, it, it hit past and we were like, I mean, there's nothing else to do. You know, it's too dark to start trying to clean up let's go to waffle house. <laughs> and we did, we, we set out to find a waffle house. Um, cause there's nothing else to do. Uh, the, the number, go. I mean, my college experience, uh, was, uh, you know, two, three nights a week, at least I was in waffle house. Uh, cause I was a night owl in a town where there was nothing for night owls to do except for go to waffle house, yep. you know? Um, yeah. But- in high, in high school, me and my two of my friends, basically every friday or saturday night um get together and just drive down the closest waffle house to our to our to where we lived at the time was like 40 minutes away but we just we drove there every weekend night and our our mantra was basically that like you do not go to waffle house like before 12 a.m <laughs> um so like that would that would be like when we would get there and we'd hang out for like an hour or two and then finally go home yeah which sounds insane to me now considering like i'm sleepy at like 10 30 every single night right um right but back then that was what we did i guess oh yeah no 100 i mean it was uh, i the only place i've ever been kicked out of was waffle house and what did you really do? of all the, i feel like you the... have to really do a lot to get kicked out of there well you know there were times that i should have been kicked out of the waffle house for just being too <laughs> drunk in a waffle house which is a mm. bold statement um but the one time i got kicked out was like i didn't deserve it uh it was new year's mm. eve and uh me and my best friend at the time had gone to a like it was supposed to be a new year's eve party and it was just the worst and so we're like, no, we, uh, one of our closest friends, uh, was, uh, was the third shift cook at the waffle house. And another one of Ooh. our friends was a waitress. And so we're like, you know what? We'd rather just go hang out with them at waffle house. And, uh, so we did. So we got there at like, uh, I'd say we got there probably like 10 50, maybe 11 ish. And mm-hmm. we'd been there 45 minutes. We just finished eating. And the manager came over and said, uh, y'all have to leave. And we're like, well, what? It's like, you've been here for three hours. You have to leave. It's like, we've been here 45 minutes. Like I get why you would think we'd been here for three hours. Like literally any other night of the week, we'd have been here for three or four hours, but like <laughs> we literally just finished eating. And uh, I think she was dealing, she knew what a nightmare she was about to be in for when all the clubs closed. 
uh-huh. there in college town. All the clubs closed at like two and New Year's Eve. She was she was in for a wild ride that night. And yeah, she we were like, but we just got done. She's like, all right, I'm just going to call the cops. And I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 wait, we'll, we'll, wow. just, we'll, we'll pay, we'll pay uh, <laughs> and go. So we did not get to spend uh, New Year's in, in the Waffle House that year. But man, that is bizarre. Yeah. So I think, that, I think I've spent a few New Year's in Waffle House. Yeah. It's not, a, sure. not the worst place to spend it. <laughs> no. So at least the food's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So uh, I have. <laughs> So, you know, the, the bulk of your books take place in, you know, uh, fantasy worlds of your creation. Um, so I suspect there's probably not a, a ton of Southern culture that's made its way into it. But I did have to ask, Spit and Song, uh, I haven't read it yet, but on the cover, is that a giant armadillo? Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, okay, it's, I, I yeah. love that. I love that. <laughs> it's that it has like a fantasy name. Um, so it's not it's not like literally it's not technically an armadillo, but it is it is essentially just like a giant armadillo that people ride through the desert. Yeah. I love that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sucker for like so I have a I have a weird like love-hate relationship with armadillos. Like uh for a creature that I, I kind of find disgusting, like I it's kind of like <laughs> sharks. Like sharks terrify me, but I can't stop thinking about them. Armadillos uh-huh. kind of gross me out, but I can't stop thinking about them, you know? And so yeah. <laughs> the fact that it's a essentially a giant riding armadillo, I, I'm here for it. Oh um, yeah. So uh so I like to ask where um it's so the cliche question is where do you get your ideas? But I don't where where I like to go with it is do you draw heavily from your own life or do you try and keep a, a clear separation from like you, the you know, you your life and your your characters' lives? Uh-huh. Um yeah, so I I kind of mentioned before that all of my books, their themes are kind of it's there there is close to my personal life um in the sense that the the themes of the books kind of come from things that are like i guess you could say bothering me at the time mm-hmm. of writing um and some of them don't even it, like i don't i don't really go into each book knowing like what the theme is going to be i just kind of start coming up with characters and scenarios and stuff and then it's as i'm like outlining the story that i start to realize like hey this is kind of like similar to what i'm going through like um with balam spring it was about a town that keeps being infected by this disease that nobody knows the cause of and nobody knows how to cure and um a couple months before i started to write it like my stepmom was her like her cancer came back so i mean there was a very clear line there yeah and like spit spit and song is about um one character who's trying to like do everything she can to like make like jumpstart her career make as much money as possible and the other character who's like a creative type um is sort of starting to think that maybe the career he pursued is like not worthwhile because he's not feeling fulfilled and that He's wasted his time. And so at that time I realized I was, I was 
kind of wondering like if I wanted to keep publishing books because they they do take so much effort and so much money and and so much time and oh, or do they <laughs> and I I wasn't like getting like that big of a readership or anything and so it's like I do enjoy doing this but like is it really worth all of the effort that I put into it mm-hmm. um and I mean and Houndstooth ended up um I wrote the entire trilogy um in 2020 i spaced out the release but i wrote it all in 2020 and i mean we all know what was happening in 2020 um and like as i wrote it it just there became like more and more themes of like environmentalism and like (laughs) fascist leadership and then things like that um so uh there was a lot that was frustrating me that year that ended up going into that series and then now with the Jekyll series, as I have started to, to, I had like a plan for the start from the start of like where the whole series was going. But now that I'm kind of writing the like back half of it, um, I'm getting a clear picture of what the themes of that are. And it's kind of similar to, I mean, cause the shit that started out in 2020 is still kind of going on. And so there's, there's a lot here about like, government um ineptitude and yeah like what we like owe to each other just like as a society of like trying to be kind and help each other and things Mm. like that um yeah so it's just a long-winded way of saying that yeah um just like the the things that the things that are like frustrating me personally or like on a societal level end up leaking into the into the books and but then the narrows is different than all of those in the sense that like there was very um there was very clearly something that that was bugging me in my personal life at the time um without going into much detail just like my my best friend from childhood and i we had not we basically stopped speaking for the past year um as as of 2018 and it was really bothering me um, because much like Oliver in the Narrows, he didn't really understand why it was happening. Yeah. And he didn't know like how to to fix that. Um, and I mean, like I, my my friend didn't die like uh, he did in, in, in the book, but kind of like just the emotional journey that Oliver goes on was um, what I was going through at the time. Yeah. And, I, and, and luckily – me and the friend have um, reconnected as of 2020, right, right before COVID hit, and we were not allowed to uh, see each other. Um, yeah, yeah, but, good time, good timing. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, that but, may be partly why the narrows resonated so well with me, because uh, around the time that I read it, I was kind of a similar situation. Like the my best friend for you know. God, at that point, probably like 15 years, we had finally just drifted away to the point where we weren't talking anymore. And uh, yeah, so I can, I can definitely, I can definitely relate, relate there. Um, Yeah, that's a weird thing. I wanted, I wanted to touch on this. Uh, So I I try and do a little research beforehand. I didn't do as much with you because I, I had actually, you know, a lot of the time I interview people, I haven't had a chance to read the book for yet, but um I was reading a review of the Narrows and uh, someone touched on the fact that like 
that uh, the character Simon in the Narrows is trans. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, it's just mentioned once and not really brought up again. It's clearly someone just trying to tick the woke box or something like that. And um, I've, yeah, I've gotten a yeah. few of those reviews. And I wonder if it's the person I'm thinking of, because there was one person who left a review like that. And it was like a one star. And they went on like a whole tangent about yeah. it um, and used some like slurs and hate speech and stuff. And so I yeah. reported the review. Well, and this, I like posted this on Twitter. So well, let's see. Well, the thing is, is that I posted on Twitter like, hey, can you guys like report this review? There's like hate speech in it and stuff like that. Um, And then that person like saw that I had tweeted it and they like emailed me threatening me that they were like going to sick like 4chan on me or something. Wow. Wow. And that and then they like posted a new review, a new a new one star review because their other one got removed by Goodreads and basically just saying that like. I'm a woke idiot or whatever. And yeah. then they went like one star to all of my other books as well. You can't, you can't hide class. Well, so, yeah. the, the, <laughs> so this one, I don't think this was the same because this was a three-star review, I believe. And they okay. basically, you could tell that a lot of it was like, I, I tell, I tell authors all the time is like, look, reviews have absolutely nothing to do with you. And it has everything to do with the person leaving the review. They're bringing their uh-huh. baggage into this review. <laughs> take nothing personally you just happen to be their <laughs> outlet for the day um and so but i, I just kind of wanted to touch on this one i think i think a lot of you know when the south gets talked about by people outside the south it gets painted with this broad red brush that the south is very conservative right. and it and it is like even in my state alabama which is uh overwhelmingly read to the point where if you vote, you know, anything other than Republican, you, you may as well not vote because you're basically wasting <laughs> your time. Um, yeah. But like, I mean, even still 40% of the people in the state would def- describe themselves as some form of left leaning, you know, and that's, that's literally millions of people, you know, yeah, uh, the people are there. And like, I know a number of trans people in my life, uh, you know, the people are here in the South. They are a part of the South. You know, you can't just be like, yep. Oh, well, that's California culture there. You know, that, <laughs> that, that ain't, that ain't here in the South. No, it is. You know, yep. there, there, there's a, there are a lot of people in the LGBTQ plus community in the South. And to just uh, paint over that with a broad brush is doing them a huge disservice. Um, but the other thing I really wanted to touch on was, uh, in a perfect world, like, wouldn't that be the the goal is like, maybe someone mentions that they're trans and then you just move on and it's not an issue. Like, isn't that the, the goal that we're all working towards here? So to leave a review is like, oh, well, it just gets mentioned in passing and then it's not ever brought up again. Yeah, like, that's that's because the people, the people who that bothers, um, like, <laughs> Let's let's be realistic. Like, do they want a whole book about like a trans person <laughs> and what it means to be trans? Like, that's yeah. not they're not going to be happy with that either. So I don't right. know. They obviously so I, it's not it's not for them. Yeah, no, um, it, it just kind of stuck I don't in need my them around. Right. Well, yeah. it's it's one of those deals that the the book that I'm about to send to the editor, I basically have the same thing. Like, a it gets mentioned in passing that this person is trans, and basically my main character is like kind of marvels that they've they've toughed it out in Alabama this long before they move away. And that's uh-huh. it. Like that's, that's basically the sum 
of it. You know, it's not yeah. a huge point in the plot. You know, I don't spend chapters dealing with the trans issues in Alabama because that's not really my story to tell. I just like to point yeah. out uh, that, hey, trans people are here. Um, they exist. Don't. Yeah. Be, don't. Don't be a jerk. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of my approach with all of my books is that um, I guess it's harder to do in a book like the narrows that takes place like in the real world. Um, yeah. But for all of my like fa- like books that are just in fantasy worlds that I obviously made up. Um, yeah, I, I have characters from all across the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and yeah, there's I mean, there's not like any amount of deal made about yeah. it. They, I mean, they just exist there because I mean, like you said, I don't I don't want to write um, a story like about that experience because I am not a member of that community. So that's not really my story to tell. I don't think I could do it very well. Yeah. Um, and then also, like, I just I don't if I'm completely making up a world. I'm going to make up one where like that's not like any kind of like political issue or anything. Like I don't yeah. want to have like I don't want to have homophobic characters in my world. <laughs> right. Um. So I'm that, not going to even have anything like that. Yeah. No, that that. So I um, I think how I stumbled on the narrows is through the the fantasy subreddit because um, you're active there. And uh, I see mm-hmm. I see you there a decent amount. And. Um, a, a conversation that happens there a lot is the whole like, well, you know, I'm, you know, I wrote this fantasy book that's heavily based on, you know, medieval culture. So, but it's a fantasy world, but I just really felt like I had to put this in this, like, like whether it be like misogyny or racism or stuff like that. <laughs> and like the comment is like, uh-huh. man, it's a, it's a fantasy world. Like we can have yeah. orcs, but <laughs> You know, we're supposed to buy in that yes, orcs are a thing, but yeah, I like, do you, anything. <laughs> yeah, the hill you choose to die on is dang it, I've got to have racism in this book. You know, I just like, I had to do it because uh, I mean, it's just that kind of world. Yeah, and so did it need it, to be though? Yeah, exactly. And there are there books that yes, you know, you can you can do you know, fantasy can definitely be used as a way to really shine a light on topics. But right, throwing yeah. in throwing in something just for the edge factor, I don't know that that's the look you need to d- need to take. You know, yeah, so, yeah, I'm not interested in in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so I um always like to ask if there's anything supernatural, kind of like from Southern folklore in your novels, and um in the Narrows, I I, I always kind of wondered like what was kind of where did the idea for the name without providing spoilers i'm just going to say the nave and the narrows mm-hmm. kind of that whole concept like what, what was kind of the genesis of of that um so yeah um i guess like really like my the very first thing that came to me about the the narrows was like a lot of my books i kind of like think of like an image that I think is really interesting or weird or something. And then I kind of like work, I kind of tease out like how, how can I get to that image? How can this make sense as far as like a, like a character arc or like world building or whatever I need to do to get to that place. And 
for whatever reason, the first image that came to mind and then led to me riding the Narrows was um, the scene. Um, I, I think it's in like chapter six, maybe. I don't remember for sure. I think that's right, though, where um, <laughs> uh, the knave sticks its arm just like completely down Oliver's throat. It's like <laughs> elbow deep um, yeah. down his throat. Um, and I just thought that was like, it seemed like such a terrible feeling, such a weird, gross image. Um, yeah. and so that was like the genesis of that and like that character. Mm. And so when I had that image, then I kind of had to think like, well, why is this happening? <laughs> how, how do you get um, to that so, point? <laughs> yeah. And so that's where I came up with the idea of like the, the gems and like every person, mm. like having a gem inside them. Um, and so it's like trying to reach that. And, um, I really kind of intentionally left a lot of like the backstory of the nave and the, the, like, I guess like quote unquote world building of the narrows, um, intentionally like vague and unexplained because the character of Oliver, like the, the book is very like close to his perspective and like, he's kind of just thrust into this situation and he like, there, I mean, there's like, there's not like any opportunity for him to like learn anything about any of this. He just kind of right. has to go off of what is happening and try to piece things together. But he maybe doesn't like, uh, he doesn't have all the context. He doesn't know the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I think that really works though. You know, like that's something that I tell, yeah. tell other authors is like, especially horror authors, give, give the reader room for their imagination to fill in the gaps and their imagination is going to do a better job than Mm -hmm. you could write um leaving leaving that mystery and whatnot like i i know i know a lot of people complain is like oh well you know i just didn't get the backstory in that thing well the deal is if the writer wrote the backstory (laughs) on that thing it probably wouldn't be as enjoyable as the thrill of the mystery you know Uh uh-huh so, yeah, and I mean, there are definitely some books, especially obviously, especially in fantasy, where like you do want to know as much about the world and about the creatures and whatever else as possible. And it makes sense, like in that like style of book, to like just oh, have yeah. a bunch of explanation about things. But that there, it doesn't, doesn't always work. And this was, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and especially this book where like his experience with the narrows is like very limited anyway, and so like even if he does want to learn about it, like who, who is he going to ask about it? It's like, right. there's, there's no, there's literally no way for him to understand what is going on. And yeah. so you, you don't really learn that much about it. There, yeah. there are like some rules and stuff. And like, I, as the writer, obviously know more about it that I didn't leave in the book just because I, I needed it to, I needed there to be like some kind of like internal logic two things yeah. and not just have a bunch of random stuff going on but um yeah it was very much intentionally left uh ambiguous and, and confusing yeah oh well, i mean it's, for me at least it it, it, it worked well so kind of building on that um what is your writing process do you would you describe yourself as more of like a plotter or are you more of a discovery writer and like typically how long does it take you to write a book um so i'm kind of like halfway between the two i guess because Mm -hmm. i do very um 
I basically start out, like I said, I start with like a bunch of images that I like, yeah. and then I kind of start to figure out what the characters would be and what I think the like general plot of the book or the series, if it's a series, would be. And then from there, I kind of like, for a single book, I'll do like a rough outline where I'm basically just like paragraph after paragraph of like the major things that I think should happen. Um, and from there, then I kind of break it up into then like a very detailed, like chapter by chapter outline. Um, and this part of the process is very like nonlinear. Like if I figured out the climax, I'll throw the climax on there and then I'll like throw in the beginning and then like a random, like big battle scene in the middle or something. And I'll just like leave gaps in between, um, and so then from there, like when I've plotted out like the big major beats that I need to hit, that's where I'll then go and like add in the more slice of life things and think yeah. like, okay, like between this chapter and this chapter, I need to like, I need to both physically and like emotionally get the characters from here to here. And so like what events will happen in between that will get us there. Um, and so eventually um, I end up with the full chapter by chapter outline. And that's when I can really figure out like what the pacing is going to be because mm -hmm. looking at it from that view it's like okay if i have like three very action heavy sequences all kind of near each other then obviously i need to like break that up a little bit with some other stuff with some slower moments or whatever yeah. or like i need to explain something about the plot or something about the world or whatever like at this moment in the book so like what scene can go here that would do that um but so then from there, that's how I'm a very like heavy plotter. But then I start to write the book. Um, I know I've read some reader or some writers can write things like out of order and stuff like that. But I really need to like write the book chronologically. Oh, oh, preach. Um, I, I literally just <laughs> did an interview with uh, 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 an author who he was describing how he, he could just jump around willy nilly, you know, write, write what's interesting him. No. And I, I told him, I was like, I, I like, I am so interested in that. Um, you know, <laughs> there, there's no wrong way to, to do it. Uh, I just, yeah, I just, it's, that's unfathomable I can't. To, to me. Same. Yeah. I, I cannot wrap my head around that. And, and a, a major part of it is because then that's where like the pants are part of me comes in because like, I very strictly adhere to the, chapter outline but then as i'm writing like like still my chapter outline is just like one paragraph describing what happens in the chapter so then i i need to turn that one paragraph into like three or four thousand words yeah and so through that process like i will make up stuff about like the world or about the character or whatever and then that will influence like their development or like the world development or whatever in the next chapter in the next chapter and sometimes that does lead to to threads that i'm i didn't plan at all in the outline and then that can even affect like later books in the series like in houndstooth um two i guess like mildly spoilery details but not like that bad it, it's okay if you know um yeah. In the, like in the first book, I outlined the whole thing, blah, blah, blah. And in the chapter outline, it was just something like um, the crime lord's assistant helps Cole with this. 
and then the assistant does this. But then as I wrote the chapter and I had to figure out who the assistant was, I gave him a name and I gave him a personality. And I started to like really enjoy his like personality and his dialogue and relationship with the main character. And so then I ended up um turning turning it into like a romantic subplot between the two oh, of them yeah. that went through the rest of the book that I had not even dreamed about when I was outlining <laughs> it but then it became like a major like emotional through line for the main character of that book yeah. and then also for like the rest of the series that's like his emotional motivation to like get through the whole series so that he can get back to this other guy yeah and so then that also affected like I had my plan for the whole trilogy and but now all of a sudden I created this like I accidentally made this random side character that was going to be in two chapters. He's now like a major character. Um and so like he didn't fit at all into the second book's outline, but I was like I like I cannot just not have him show up again. So I need to think of a way to write him into the third book. And so I ended so the the plot reasons why he ends up in the third book I feel like actually made the series like way, way stronger in how it yeah. all kind of comes together. And then in the second book, um, there was a moment where just it's another, it's another action scene in the book and the characters get through it and then they move on. And that's just how it was in the outline. But then as I was writing the book, I wrote the action scene. Then I wrote another chapter and another chapter. And then I was kind of thinking like, well, this this main character is like so inept and like so un like inexperienced and unskilled. It kind of doesn't make sense to me that he like keeps getting through all these insane fights just fine. Yeah. And so then I decided like he's going to get his foot bitten off in that fight <laughs> with this monster. <laughs> yeah. So I then wrote the rest of the book as if he had gotten his foot bitten off. Um, and then I went and rewrote it later to have happened yeah. but so then that all obviously introduced like a whole different set of obstacles that i then had to figure out like okay so if he doesn't have a foot anymore like what does that mean for him yeah and and what struggles is he gonna face and then like that again that created like a whole different it happens kind of near the end of book two and so then in book three it creates like a whole extra subplot that i had to deal with yeah. um yeah so yeah so that's how i mean like I do I do still for the most part stick very strictly to the detailed outlines I do but then there are just things like that that come up that you don't ever plan for and that you can't right. plan for but they end up working so well and fit so organically into the story and make it all that much stronger. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So, uh there could be, you know, someone, uh, I like to think that someone is listening to this podcast right now and they're, you know, they're halfway Hopefully. through their first. Yeah. They're, yeah. Right. That's the dream. <laughs> uh, um, uh, the, uh, that, you know, they're, they're halfway through their first book and they're kind of struggling with it. You know, they're maybe they're, you know, they're just not getting any, any traction, any headway. So what kind of, what, what would be the best bit of advice that you would give to someone who's struggling to finish that first book out there? Um, I think really what helps me, um, especially when I'm feeling kind of like uninspired is just, 
I mean, this sounds <laughs> this this sounds like my laziness coming through, but just consuming like a lot of media, whether it's like movies or video games or other books or whatever. Um, I feel like that always helps like jumpstart yeah. like ideas in my head, whether it's like whether it's on the negative side, like it's things that I've seen a lot. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do something like this or like I've seen it a lot. And I think like, how can I do a story like that? But change it up in some way, make it like, give yeah. it my like brand of like weirdness or whatever. Um, yeah. Or like, what is like a really cool element from a game or something that I think would translate to a book that I haven't seen before. And what ways can I like, again, put my spin on it. Um, so I think, Obviously, there's a, there's that old piece of advice that like if you're gonna write, you need to read a lot. But um, I really think it can expand to like really just any type of like storytelling that you can engage with. You should engage with it because most of my books are not really inspired by like other books. They're inspired by like video games, like Final Fantasy or Pokemon or like yeah. even even Yakuza. I've incorporated like into my fantasy books and and movies and stuff like that um those are those are like the main inspiration for yeah. me um no i like yeah, that so i it, think i think you just need to get inspired yeah no my uh my struggle is uh you know i'm currently writing this urban fantasy or rural fantasy series and but mostly what i play are like fantasy video games and i i have a fantasy mm -hmm. series that i've got the first two books written and uh like I, I'm really just kind of like head down. No, you're going to get you're going to get you know to a point on this <laughs> world fantasy series before you you go back to that. And uh, <laughs> I'll be playing these fantasy games. Like, oh, that would be so cool to if I could work that into my fantasy series. And it's like, all right, just make a quick note, just jot that down, and then move <laughs> on because uh, I, yeah, I, I, oh, it's it's hard it's hard to not jump around sometimes. Yeah, so. but I mean, even like sometimes. Obviously, I, I can't speak for you, but there, I mean, there might be even a way to like blend the genres kind of if there's like a cool way to incorporate that like fantasy inspiration into like that rural rural setting. Because I mean, yeah. like playing the Yakuza games with like all the mafia, like crime boss stuff was like a big influence on my Houndstooth trilogy where it's like talking animals and like a completely fantasy world. But yeah, I felt like it, adding that like crime ring element to it gave it like a, a different flavor than you would maybe yeah. expect well i i am the game i just started playing is uh how oh, what's it called man eater i think or something like that it's about a shark mm. uh you, you, oh yeah uh, yeah yeah i know what yeah. you're talking about and uh it just so <laughs> happens it takes like it's set in in the gulf coast so there's like swamps and there's dixie mafia oh, and there's nice. all sorts of shenanigans so i have actually been getting to draw a little bit of inspiration uh, from, that's cool from, from that so uh <laughs> there's not a lot of uh southern uh video game media <laughs> let, let's right. say yeah uh but uh i i did actually just pick up one that i'm really excited it's called norco um i've heard of that i do want to play that yeah it seems it, cool yeah the steam summer sale is going on right now and i was really hoping it was going to get marked like 50 percent off and they did me too seven, <laughs> they, they did 17 percent off and i was like you know what yeah uh, it's a small indie publisher like i you know what screw it i'll you know i'll i'll do it so i took the plunge so yeah i um, just i just got a steam deck so i'm tr I'm trying not to go like too ooh, crazy on steam right now but um ooh, it I is tempting steam deck. 
Oh, I want to steam deck. It's pretty tight. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. All right. Before we get too in the weeds. Um, so uh, part of my background is I have a, I have a very useless masters of music uh, industry. And so, but music <laughs> is one of my great passions. So I like to know when you write, uh, do you listen to anything, be it music, white noise? Do you require silence? Uh, how, what, what's the deal there? Um, so when I, when I'm writing at home, as opposed to like at the office or whatever, um, uh, some, I, like I live with my girlfriend, so she does sometimes have things playing, um, either like a TV show or like music or something, but, um, I usually like it when it, she puts like the, the lo-fi beats, uh, YouTube channels on. But um, because other than that, like when I'm alone, I just write in silence. And I, I used to try to write to music to kind of like mm-hmm. set the atmosphere that I'm going for. But I, I don't know. I just found that like, especially things with lyrics, um, having a bunch of words in my head while I'm trying while I'm trying to come up with words was just too distracting. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I'm not. I, I don't really listen to like instrumental music all that much, really. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I don't really have like any go tos for that to put on. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I kind of just sit in silence. Yeah. No. Lo- lo-fi. Uh, lo-fi hip hop. Anything like that is just great. Yeah. Chill ambient. Uh, ambience music to have on just in the background while you're cleaning or something like that. Like uh, I love uh-huh. that. Uh, if I'm at work, a lot of times I'll I'll turn that on just to kind of because very few if any words and kind of just chill me out yeah. while I'm <laughs> at a place I don't necessarily <laughs> want to be at. <laughs> um, yeah. When when she puts on her like K dramas and stuff, those those are okay since it's a, a different language. So I can't right. I don't really know what is being said anyway. So I can yeah. I can kind of like tune that out and focus on what I'm doing. Yeah. Um oh I I can't imagine like I have to uh I have to be in a different room. My, my fiance, uh, she, I'm not a big TV watcher. She, she is though. And so like currently she's working her way through uh true blood and uh, uh-huh. I, I watched hey, Southern first, fantasy. Yeah, it is. And I, you know, I watched the first three seasons of when it was coming out, but if I was trying to write while that was going on in the same room, it, <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't happen. Like I'll, I'll sometimes like bring the yeah. laptop in there to, do like back end stuff like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to send some emails or, you know, work on social media, maybe design some promo images or stuff like that. Uh-huh. And like three minutes in, it's like, mm, let's just close the laptop. We're watching true blood now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially so. with a show as like absurd and like crazy as that one. Like, Oh, I, that's hard to tune out. <laughs> she's on season six now. And I've, I've caught like, so I watched the first like three seasons when it's coming out but hadn't mm-hmm. seen anything after that. And so I'm picking up like one episode in like three or four. <laughs> and it, it, I know I've got to be driving her up the wall. It's like, so who's that guy? Okay. Yeah. Why is, I'm, I'm why sure is Bill that, doing that, that? Show moves it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure even like just missing one episode, you miss probably like so much plot oh, and character movement. <laughs> it's crazy. Everything moves so fast, so fast <laughs> in that show. It's like, well, Bill has what now? Okay. That doesn't make any sense, but what, you know what? We'll just roll with it. So, (laughs) all right. So uh, an author hero of mine is a man named John Harkness. uh, And he talks about how, no matter how fast 
you write as a writer, you can never keep up with how fast people read. So there's plenty of love to go around. Mm. Authors should always be supporting other authors. So two-part question, who is an author hero of yours? And then who is an author that you think we should be checking out that we probably aren't? Um, I guess as far as maybe hero is kind of a stretch, but an author that I admire a lot is, um, Josiah Bancroft, who hmm. wrote the the Books of Babel series. Yeah, I've got book one of that. Um, I haven't started it yet, but uh, I, I want to dive in. So. Book, book one of that series like is good for sure, but um, it's like starting with book two is when it like really, really starts to feel special. And is when I is when I started to feel like this is like an all time series for me. Um, but like, and he's he's I don't know I published right. He indie published the first two and then it got picked up by Orbit. And so like they republished one and two and then three and four were totally through them. And they've picked up his next series also that he's currently writing. Yeah, very cool. Um, But like like I I know that my prose is like I don't really do like purple prose or anything like that. I'm I'm fairly straightforward with the way the style that I write. And I am fine I'm fine with that. Um I like reading that style a lot of the time too. But um his writing style is like so the opposite of like what I do. And it's like so good. Like I don't even really like notice like quote-unquote good prose when i'm reading it like i don't it's not really something that like makes or breaks a book for me like i don't really care but like his is so good that it's like one of the few books where i've like actually made note that like holy hell like this is written so well and it's like not only like written beautifully but like it's also like extremely like clever and witty in addition to just being like gorgeous and well so yeah like i i my my co-host on Booksbridge Booze, Derek, he that is him to a T. He is all about really? flowery prose. He's he that's what he goes for. And me, I'm I'm more like you, is like if it's there, fine. I don't go hunting it or anything. I'm you know, right. let's, let's, yeah. let's move along here. Um, so I'll I'll definitely have to tell him to check that out. And like I said, it's one I've been meaning to check out myself. I've got like I said, I've got book one. It's, I just need to pick up the rest yeah. of it. It's really good. And so like he those are those are books that like both because of like the style that they're written in and also just like the stories and characters in them. Um, it's really a series like I wish I had written or even had the capability <laughs> of writing like it's, yeah. it's I'm just so jealous of like his talent. And then just on the other side, he's like I've interacted with him on like Reddit and Twitter and things like that before he probably wisely uh deleted all his accounts but um he's like he's like just like the kindest dude yeah out there he's like he's such a nice guy and so i admire that as well yeah yeah um and an author to check out um i have two real quick the yeah, first no. one is a. Uh, I man i i've recommended his books so many times and every time i have to say that I'm not totally sure how to pronounce his last name. And so hopefully I'm getting it. Okay. Um, but Gareth Hanrahan, who wrote the, uh, the black iron legacy series, the first book is called the gutter prayer. Okay. Um, they're just like, it's such a weird series. It's like steampunk. 
hopefully so and you should get it it's like it's like it's like almost urban fantasy but not quite like steampunk like weird weird fantasy like um yes Perdido I do. street gutter- station yeah okay okay yeah so the gutter prayer yeah uh uh i can't remember why it was somewhere on the fantasy separate someone recommended it and i was like oh yeah that sounds good but yeah i've read yeah, Perdido street just- station and that's uh yeah, it's definitely like in that vein. It's very, it's like a very dark, weird world with like the strangest, like different like races of creatures in it, and these big, crazy gods and and stuff like that. And it's just such a cool and like really unique series. Um, that I feel like not really very many people read, but like every book that's come out in it um, has been like one of my favorite books of the year when it came out. Yeah. Um. And I know his plan is for five books, and there are three out so far. Um, and I just really want it to sell yeah. enough for the publisher to to finish the series. Um, because yeah. like book three ends in a way where it's like it could be an ending, but it also is like a fairly big like cliffhanger. Um, yeah. and it's orbit. so I want to know what happens. Yeah, it's orbit yeah. too. Yeah. Orbit's really putting out some good stuff these days. I've just been really orbit's really catalog. fantastic. Yeah. Um, and the other one is the Wildfire Cycle by D.P. Williscroft, um, which starts with the book King's Hold. Um, and I don't know, that's it's like a epic fantasy series with um, a big focus on like character development and stuff like that, which I love. Um, and the the first book is like it's about it. It all takes place in the city of King's Hold and. It's about a moment when the the king and queen die, and so the like the wit the the wizard who like helps run the city decides like screw this we're not doing a king and queen anymore we're switching to a democracy, and it's okay. about like the election cycle in that city for that year. Yeah. Um. Ooh, and the okay. the scope of it like really increases as the series goes on, and he kind of just like relaunched um the series to like kind of streamline it because he was doing a thing where like he would publish like a main like a mainline volume and then like a set of like short stories Mm. um but like the short stories are like important to the overall storyline and like do progress things and like bridge the gap between like the main books but obviously it was kind of like confusing for people to know like what book do I read next? And like, oh, this is short stories. I can skip this, even though you like really couldn't. Yeah. Um, and so he relaunched it so that everything is just like all in like big volumes uh, all together um, okay. with like some really great new cover art. And I don't know, it's it's one of my favorite. It probably is like my favorite um, indie published series that I, yeah. I feel like does not get a whole lot of. Well, I think it, more I, people should be reading it. Yeah, I see it's in KU, and i I love uh, I love politics and fantasy, like you know, like mm-hmm. cor- courtly intrigue or uh, just anything like that. So I I just added it to my KU. So um, awesome. I'll find some time to get to that soonish. Yeah, I think because it's it's like a it 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 does have like the scope of like an epic fantasy series, but then that real like personal character focus. And it's also just like, it doesn't take itself. Like it's a very like dramatic and serious story, but it, like, it doesn't take itself like incredibly seriously. Like it's still like a lot of fun. You yeah. Know? Okay. 
So right. I think it strikes a really great tone. Yeah. All right. Well, so to, to wrap up, how about you take a moment, tell people, you know, where can they find you like social medias, websites, things like that, you know, kind of where they can pick up your books. Um, my website is, uh, travismriddle.com. You can find more info about all my books and links to buy them and such there. And you can subscribe to my newsletter there if you want to. I don't, uh, send very many newsletters out, so you don't have to worry about me, uh, filling up your inbox with a bunch of nonsense. Um, they are very sporadic. Um, and then I'm on Twitter at Travis want to eat and I'm on Instagram at the same handle. If you okay. want to get more up to date updates, uh, from yeah. me than than the newsletter. Yeah. Very cool. Well, uh, I've been telling all the authors that the, the goal is hopefully in a, in a year or so to bring folks back on for like a little update, uh, not like a Ooh. full length episode, but like maybe a short little uh-huh. uh, little snippet, just kind of catch back up. So hopefully we'll be able to link up then. Um, For sure. Book, book two in the current series should be out by then, I would think. Um, my Maybe even three. I don't know. Ooh, it depends okay. on when we hook back up again. Yeah, um, my right. current plan with that one is a new volume every six months. Um, so the second one will be out September of 2022. And then the third one presumably out in like March. Okay. Love it. All right. Well, Travis, it has been an absolute delight. So glad we were able to, uh, <laughs> to, to get back together again now years yes, later. Me too. Yeah. So, uh, it's been a pleasure and, uh, to all y'all out there, uh, listen along, uh, till next time y'all be good now. taking the time to check out another exciting episode of Southern Fried Fantasy. If you would, you know the drill. Give us a like, subscribe, follow, all that jazz. We'll appreciate you. Until next time, y'all. is part of the Tales by Bob network. To see all our great shows, go to talesbybob.com.